When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. With Tony Marinero. 55 seconds left in the penalty. A minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. LaFleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into LaMere back to LaFleur. The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. <laughs> You're in the ball. Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoint, on lui fait perdre la rondelle une passe devant. Et c'est la victoire des Canadiens. You found the dogs. John, you found the dogs. He found the dogs. And all together, they worked a young team to the top. And now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La Vida TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground. Your premier gaming destination. It's gonna be sick. Marinero on this Friday, February 9th. How is everyone doing? And welcome to the Sick Podcast. You're watching us on YouTube Live, Facebook Live, Twitter Live. And the Sick Podcast, of course, is brought to you in part by Energy Transportation Group, a leading full full service logistics provider. Serving all of North America, also brought to you by these guys right over here, La Bitta TV, brewed in Quebec, a winner of a dozen international awards. La Bitta TV offers quality microbrewery beers made with premium ingredients. La Bitta TV, embrace your true nature. And also brought to you in part by Playground. Discover a world of luxury at Playground. Explore their new 30,000-square-foot expansion with thrilling games gourmet dining, and live entertainment located just over the Mercier Bridge, only minutes from downtown Montreal Playground. Playground experience the strip without the trip. Um, Doubleheader for the Montreal Canadiens on the weekend. Two games in two days and 24-hour span. Both of them are matinee games because, of course, it coincides with Super Bowl weekend, and it's been a tradition of sorts for I don't know how many years now. The Canadians will host the Dallas Stars Saturday afternoon at 1 p.m. and host the St. Louis Blues on Sunday afternoon at 1 p.m. We already know who the starting goaltender is going to be for Saturday's game. We don't know who the starting goaltender is going to be for Sunday's game. We also know that there's a player who's been out of the lineup for the last 27 games due to injury that will be back in the lineup tomorrow for the Montreal Canadiens. We'll discuss all this and more. And I do it with Stu Cowan of the Montreal Gazette and HockeyInsideOut.com. Stu, how are you? I'm doing well, Tony. How are you doing? Very, very good. Thank you. I know that you were at uh, the CN Complex earlier this morning for Montreal Canadiens practice, and you got a view of Alex Newhook, who's about to enter the lineup after being out with an injury for 27 games. Stu, how did he look? He looked good. They had him on the first power play unit also. Uh, Marty St. Louis, after the practice, didn't officially confirm he's playing. He said he was pretty close but talking with new hook after the practice it certainly sounds like he will be in the lineup i imagine they're just waiting for the final confirmation from the medical staff but uh, i'm sure but there he looked good and he's obviously anxious to get back in there high ankle sprain that's a tough injury takes a while to recover there i believe at the time they said it'd be eight to ten weeks and they're right on schedule with him coming back he's been practicing with the team for the last almost a week or so looked good today looked healthy looked ready to go and was uh, talking with him afterwards he's excited to get back on the ice which isn't a surprise Stu, for me 
the remaining 30 games of the season here will be an audition for a new hook, not an audition in terms of whether, you know, whether he's on the team or not. Of course, we knew that uh, he doesn't have to worry about that. But when he came over here, he came over. The intention was to have new hook uh, play center on this team. And then you saw him play wing on this team. Mm -hmm. And before he went down with that injury, he looked more comfortable as a winger than he did a centerman. Now he's going to be playing center because Kirby Doc was injured as of period number four, and he's out for the year. Christian Dvorak is also out for the year. Sean Monahan was traded. There's no other choice here um, but to see Alex Newhook play center. So um, is this – you think it's an audition of sorts? In a way, um, an audition, I think just maybe for Marty's going to get a better idea if they can go forward with him at center or if they're going to be better on the wing. Marty said after practice this morning that he's comfortable – putting him on either position. He did look better on the wing than he did at center uh, when he was playing earlier, although we didn't get to see him for that many games uh, before he was hurt. Uh, also with the first power play, I mean, the first power play unit this morning at practice is, you know, it's Matheson at the point with uh, Caulfield, Suzuki, and Slavkovsky and Newhook in front of the net. So that's like, that's that's their number one power play. The second power play was a little bit uh, interesting. They had Jackai on the point with uh, Yolanin, Jinyak, Pearson, and Anderson. That was their second power play unit this morning. But uh, for the first power play unit, that that could be the first unit moving forward beyond this season. Um, but for Newhook, I mean, the thing I liked about him, Tony, right from day one at training camp, um, you know, playing in Colorado, we don't get to see those guys that often. Uh, but just his, his speed, which we sort of knew, his hockey smarts, but his work ethic. Like he works his butt off on the ice. And I remember talking to him about it before he got hurt, and he said his dad always told him how important it is, whether you're the most skilled player or not, make sure you're the hardest-working guy on the ice every game, every practice. And that's one of the things that really impressed me about him uh, right from the start of training camp and right from the season. He's a guy who's skilled, obviously, uh, has speed, but he really, really works hard. And uh, those are the type of guys that the coaches like Marty St. Louis like to have in the lineup. All right, okay. Um, when all is said and done, where do you see Newhook ending up on this depth chart over here over the next couple of years? Do you see him as, because let's not forget, Christian Dvorak will have one more year in his contract. He will be back with this team next season. I expect him to be dealt, of course, before the deadline. But where would you expect Newhook to start on this team next season? I see him as a second-line winger, uh, probably with Doc. I, I, think, I think just from what we saw, uh, he's not the biggest guy in the world either. Uh, the Canes do have other options at center when everybody's healthy. Um, as you mentioned, with Jake Evans and and, uh, and Doc when he comes back and Dvorak. So I, I see him as your second-line winger, and I think that's a good fit for him. I think that's a really good fit. And Marty St. Louis spoke today, too, about you know centers and wings. It, it's not like it used to be. I mean, Marty's talked about sort of positionless hockey. You know, you, you start the face-off as a left winger, but guys are rotating all over the place. So it helps when you have more guys who know the role of a centerman when guys are rotating around and sort of playing positionless hockey. The guys know what they need to do down deep in the defensive zone to help out the defenseman uh, when they have experience playing center. So there's a lot of rotating going along. So it's not it's not like the old days where you were a winger, like an Evo Lambert type of guy, and you just went up and down your wing and you never really went much to the other side of the ice. The game's changed a lot. And that's why I think it's so important to have guys who are able to play center and understand what's involved with the center position. And the Canes have quite a few of those guys right now. So unless the Canadians make some kind of move at the deadline and bring in a player that'll be in their top six next year or end up making a move, bringing in a player, and I, I seriously doubt that, by the way, because they're going to be sellers, not buyers, or bring in a move, uh, make a move to bring in a player in the offseason, you would see next season, you would see the start of next season, Suzuki with Caulfield and Slavkowski, mm -hmm. Doc with Newhook and Anderson. Yes. Yeah, probably that would be how it would start. Um, I'm, I'm wondering too about Anderson. Like I've been a big defender of, of Anderson and I've spoken before about how I didn't think the Canadians should trade him, but he's, he's had a really tough season this year. And I wonder, yeah, he's a guy who's made for the playoffs, right? I mean, we saw that when the Canadians went to the Stanley Cup final, he's a, he's a physical presence on the ice. And it's when you're playing a seven game series and you're playing defense against Sean Anderson, it's, it's, it's going to be difficult. He's going to finish his checks on you. So I'm wondering if Kent Hughes, what kind of offers he might get for Sean and uh, for uh, Josh Anderson, and if he'd be listening maybe more now than he might have been earlier this season or last season. And personally, myself, I'd be listening more now than I would have been before the start of the season. 
I still think there's going to be too many years left on the contract with three years at 5.5 million after this season. I, yeah. I don't see any team uh, and knowing that pretty much all the teams are pretty much right up there against the cap. Yeah. I don't see any team going after Josh Anderson unless the Canadians would have to inherit a really bad contract in return. And at that point, like, does it make any sense? Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why can't use Florida. I didn't want to eat any money in the Sean Monaghan contract because he only has one more spot left this year to eat money. And that would be probably with Jake Allen, I would think would be the more likely candidate uh, for eating some of that money to get rid of this three goalie situation. But you're right. I mean, with, with Anderson, I mean, yeah. as I said, I've been a big supporter of him until this season. This season has been a tough year and the other jams around the league are saying, seeing the same things that you and I have, are seeing. And you're right with that contract. That's a lot to take on. Um, but again, we saw his value in that run to the Stanley Cup final in 2021. He was a leader in the locker room. Uh, he was a leader on the ice. And as I said, he's he's a guy who's not fun to play against if you're a defenseman on the imposing team and he's dumping it in your corner and he's coming at you 100 miles an hour. You know you're going to get hit into the boards. But you're right. that Everything in the NHL today revolves around the salary cap, right? Everything. And it yeah. makes it difficult to make trades for guys who have big money, and especially guys who have two or three years left on that contract. Stu, I've I've understood what they've been trying to do with this three goalie system. All right, um, I think part of it had to do with the fact that they were negotiating with Montembeau for a new contract. So mm -hmm. you know what? Hey, yeah. you're not a full time number one yet. You're part mm -hmm. of a three goalie system. They were using that, I think, in part of the negotiations. And the less games he plays, well, then it favors them in the negotiations as well. We also know that another part of the reason was they didn't want to put Caden Primo on waivers because. Uh, they had some information that he was going to get picked up by another team. They did not want to lose him for nothing. And uh, they're going to pick and choose where they want to spot in, uh, slot in uh, Jake Allen, who you would think is going to be the one who's going to get traded. Having said that, I'm now at the point here on this February 9th. I, I've, I'm, I'm at that point now, okay? And I haven't been at all this season. I'm at that point. I've had enough of the three-goalie system now. I mean, Caden Primo's played one game in his last 10. I think his last win was at Christmas or something like that. I mean, yeah. how's, like you, you can face NHL shooters in practice, and you can study for an exam all you want, but if you never end up writing the exam, how do you know how much you improved? Yeah. This is almost a wasted season for Primo and his development. It really is. And as you mentioned, the reason, you know, Ken Hughes spoke about one of the reasons they had the three-goalie system because they wanted to make sure they could re-sign uh, Montembeau, which they did. And he doesn't want to give away Allen for nothing. But there's a little bit of frustration settling in. I mean, these guys have handled it. The three goalies have handled it really well. Jake Allen's a, a, a really good veteran and a good guy. But I asked him after practice this morning, I said, do you know if you're starting Sunday against St. Louis? And he said, I hope so. So there's sort of, it's, you know, there's a little bit of a frustration level getting in there. Uh, with Jake Allen also. I mean, he wants to play. They all want to play. Um, He's going to be especially ticked if he doesn't play versus his former team, which I expect him to. Yeah, I, I asked him about that too. Versus the Blues, wow. I asked him about that too, and he said it's not such a big deal now playing against the Blues. It's like four or five years, and he said like there's nobody really left on that team that was there when he was there, so it's not as big of a deal as it used to be. But it's an afternoon game. He has young kids. You know, want to bring your kids to the Bell Center, watch watch you play. Like it, it's a fam. This one of the best things about this Super Bowl weekend is it's a real family atmosphere at the Bell Center. There's so many kids in 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 the stands and the audience. And for a guy like Jake Allen, it, it, it is against his former team, but I'm sure he wants to play. And it would also be cool to play an afternoon game where his kids could come to the Bell Center, watch the whole game. It's not over. You know, it's over well before their bedtime. Um, so all those things sort of factor in, but the frustration level, fans are frustrated and it's become frustrating for the goalies also. And, uh, you know, as Jake Allen said, I mean, Jake Allen's a real pro, a real veteran. He's had a real solid impact in this locker room, but he's human. It's, it's frustrating. It's frustrating not to be playing. Nobody likes this three goalie system. Nobody. Marty St. Louis yeah. doesn't like it. The coach, the goalie coach doesn't like it. The goalies don't like it. Kent Hughes for you know focusing so much on asset management. He doesn't want to lose Primo for nothing, and he doesn't want to give away Jake Allen for nothing. And he had said at his midseason news conference that it's possible this could go on right until the end of the season, and then they'll they'll figure out what they're going to do. I'd be surprised if that happens. So I understand why Hughes would say that because you don't want the other GMs around the league to know that they're definitely going to trade a goalie by the trade deadline and it sort of lowers any value. He's saying, you know, I'm willing to keep all three until the end of the season, but that's not 
far from a, a good situation if that happens. I think you got to get rid of, you got to try and trade Jake Allen, and then you got to give, you know, I, I think Montembeau has shown that he can be the number one guy going forward. But the question is, can Caden Primo be the backup? And I don't, so far, I don't think he can. Uh, and we haven't seen enough this season to really make me change my mind about that. At the same time, I'm not going to give up on a young goalie who obviously has not entered his prime yet and keep Jake Allen here, who you know is going to be gone at the end of next year because yeah. of his contract. Yeah. Right? So Yeah, I'm, and I'm sure, I'm not sure, I'm speculating. I would think at the trade deadline, Kent Hughes will probably take the best offer he has for Jake Allen if there is a, a decent offer out there for him. Yeah. Okay. You you talked about Marty St. Louis. It's his anniversary today. Yeah. Two years since he was hired. Time flies. His work anniversary. Two years since he was hired. And two years later, he's the ninth longest uh, tenured coach <laughs> in the crazy, National right? Hockey League. That's crazy. Really crazy. Could you imagine working in a company, yeah. right, where you come in and in your position, you're number 32. Yeah. And less than two years later, you're number nine. Yeah, it's it's that's that's coaches are hired to be fired. It's coaches yeah. are hired to be fired. It's, I mean, six coaches have been fired already this season. And uh, when I first saw that, I said, "Can that be right?" And then I looked, and yeah, that's he's like the ninth guy in, in, in tenure in the NHL, and that's with two years under his belt. Uh, it's a, it's it's a difficult job. And it was interesting. Also, um, St. Louis was asked. I think it was in Philadelphia. Him and Patrick War are the only two Hall of Famers who are coaching in the NHL now. And he was asking, you know, why that why that might be. And he said, it's just it's the demands of the job, right? It's a twenty four seven job. It's a hard job. It's a grinding job. It's tough physically. It's tough mentally, and the pressure. That I mean, one of the things Marty hasn't had pressure to win since he's taken over, right? No, it's all been about no. development. But that pressure is going to come. Like maybe not next year, but the year after, the pressure is going to be on for this team to start winning. That'll be year four of the rebuild. And coaches, as I said, coaches are hired to be fired. And, and at their, their point will come where the pressure is going to be on Marty St. Louis and Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon and the players. Okay, now you need to start winning. Enough of this rebuilding stuff. Yeah. Marty has the least pressure or has had the least pressure so far of any coach probably in Montreal Canadiens history, or at least oh, that I can think of. With, without a doubt, Tony. Without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, even after Dominic Deschamps got fired, and he, I think he was probably an interview with you, and he was talking about how, you know, he didn't have the same luxury that Marty had when they told Marty, don't worry about winning. Ducharme was coaching because he felt he had to win. He had to get this team into the playoffs. Of course, yeah. Previous coaches also, the Michel Therrien and Claude Julien, the pressure was to get the team into the playoffs. And then in comparison, at the golf tournament this summer, we were both there, and Jeff Gordon wouldn't even say the word playoffs. Uh, wasn't in their plans this season. It's all, still all about rebuilding and and growing this team, which I think is the right approach. And I know you've been the leader of the uh, full rebuild for a long time and the tank and everything else. Uh, but as I said, that you know, year two, year three, maybe they get in the playoffs next year. I wouldn't bet on it. But yeah. by year year four of the rebuild, you got to start seeing some results. I was uh, I was on with um, George Larax, Stefan Gonzalez earlier today, BPM Sports Radio. My hit uh, is usually Monday to Fridays at around 12.40 p.m. Anyway, we were talking about Marty St. Louis' work anniversary, and George asked me two years later, how well do you think St. Louis done? And I said, well, why don't we backtrack two years first thing? Why don't we go back? You remember how many people mocked the hiring? How many people called him a peewee coach? How many people mm -hmm. called him a bantam coach? There were uh, there, there, there coaches who are coaching in the queue that were so upset that this was like a mockery to the sport and went into the profession that Marty St. Louis, who has only been behind the peewee bench or a bantam bench was actually going to be coaching and people that did their time were not getting this opportunity. And a lot of people thought it was a joke. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to say this, you can have an opinion on Marty St. Louis today, whether or not you think he's the right man for the job or whether or not you think he's done a good job or a bad job. I don't think anyone thinks that Marty St. Louis behind the bench now is a joke. I think everyone can understand what Jeff Gordon and Kent Hughes were thinking. I mean, at the very least, you have to say, okay, you know what? I get what you guys are thinking about. This guy can coach. Well, there's you a reason. He's a great coach, but he can coach. There's a reason why when they hired him too, uh, Tony, it was in an interim. He was the interim head coach. Like they weren't 100% yeah. convinced either, right? That that's, they needed somebody. They realized, you know, it wasn't too long before that, that, uh, Gordon had said that Ducharme would finish the season. 
And then things just got so bad that they had to step in and do something, right? And they brought in Marty on an interim basis. Gordon and Hughes both know him really well. They both thought he was ready to coach. They both thought he would be a good coach. But there, were, there was no guarantees, right? He had never been behind an NHL bench. He's shown he can coach. I mean, I was talking with Jake Allen, as I mentioned earlier today, and I asked him about Marty uh, on his second anniversary, and he said he's one of the brightest hockey minds he's ever met. He And Jake Allen's been around hockey a long time, and he's respected in the locker room by the players, and that goes a long way. I don't think Dominic Ducharme had the respect of the players in the locker room. I think that was one of the issues. I don't think he had the presence that Marty had. Um, the players like the communication skills. They have the no communication. communication. I, mean, I think Dominic Ducharme is in a great position now in Vegas as an assistant coach. He, he I mean he knows X's and O's. He knows system. He knows the game inside yeah. and out. But he's not a great communicator. Uh, he doesn't have that presence when he walks into a room um, that Marty has. So I think I think Ducharme's in a great position as assistant coach. But Marty just has that aura about him when he walks into a room, and players players like him and they buy into him. And his communication skills. Now, I asked him last season, where do you rank communication skills on the list of important things for a coach? And he didn't hesitate. He said, number one. And I agree with him, especially in today's, not just the NHL, but any pro sports today with these young athletes that make a lot of money. Um, you know, they know that you were talking about, you know, longevity and coaches. The players like Nick Suzuki knows he's going to be here longer than Marty St. Louis probably, right? Or if yes. you have an eight-year contract, you're going to be with the team longer than the current coach. It's just That's just yeah. the way pro sports work. So the coach has got to be able to communicate with these guys, and they got to be able to get them to, to buy in. And that was one of the problems with Dominic Ducharme. He couldn't do that. So with Marty, guys are buying in, and I, that they they are confident that what they're doing is going to work. Like this rebuild, the young guys see what he's doing. They're getting the ability to play now without the much, so much pressure, a little bit more freedom. Um, I asked Cole Caulfield this yesterday. I said, you know, what changes have you seen in Marty as a coach in two years? And he said, well, he's more demanding now than he was when he first came in. When he first came in, it was like they just needed to make it fun again, right? I remember Josh Anderson after the last game that Dominic Ducharme coached. And it might have been the final nail in his coffin. We said, it's no fun coming to the rink anymore. Marty made it fun for them when he first took over. But each year as this rebuild goes on, he's going to get more demanding. That's what Cole said. Like he's not allowing – mistakes that maybe he did allow last year. He's, he's clamping down on things more. And I think that's been the plan right from he, when he was hired. And especially after the first season, he coached during the offseason. Here's how we're going forward with this rebuilding plan. They have a plan in place. And as I said, two, I think not next season, but the season after is when the pressure is going to start heating up as far as, okay, you guys yeah. got to win. We got to see some results on the ice now. But I think for Marty, I don't think there's any doubt he can coach. There's some, you know, in their defensive zone, there's times they can look lost. Um, I, I think they need, I think there'll be changes in the assistant coaches in the off season. I believe all of their contracts are up. I think it would help Marty to have a, a coach with more NHL head coaching experience, maybe beside him, maybe somebody who understands the defensive game, uh, just to be another sounding board for him and somebody who can sort of focus on that type of stuff. Uh, cause there's not a lot of experience behind that bench when it comes to NHL coaching with any of the guys. Right. So I think it would be, uh, a good idea for Canadians management in the off season to look at bringing maybe a, a more experienced coach to help with those things. Also just help running the bench and, and little things like that. I think Luke Richardson had not NHL head coaching experience, but he'd been a head coach for a long time in the AHL and, and was more yeah. running a bench. I mean, things in the NHL happen so fast on the ice, you know, as you're saying going from coaching Bantam or Pee Wee hockey behind the bench or coaching the NHL is like night and day. And Marty admitted yeah. when he started that that was a tough thing for him and a learning lesson for him. So it'll be interesting to see in the offseason if there are changes with the assistant coaches. And I, I think there will be because Marty hasn't really hired any of his own people since he took over. Um, you know, Robidoc came in in the offseason, and, and that's the only change that there's been to the uh, to the staff since, since Marty took over. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't, it's not easy. Marty's separated from his family, you know. Like, uh, mm -hmm. I wonder sometimes, I, I, I wonder, like, how long is Marty going to want to be the head coach of the Montreal Canadiens knowing that uh, you're separated from your wife and kids? He just, he, 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 he's a, he has such a passion for the game. And he was asked about that today also. Um, you know, he said in his priorities, like his, his wife and his family are his top priorities, which they should be. Uh, and you're right, it's a lot of sacrifice. And that's why I said why there's not there's only two Hall of Fame players now coaching because it's a big commitment. You're away from your family. And, and he mentioned about Patrick Watt coming back now as head coach. His kids are a little older. And Marty, Marty had a plan too. He knew he wanted to coach in the NHL. 
wasn't didn't think he was going to step in as a head coach right away, but he knew he wanted to coach in the NHL, and he knew he wanted to wait until his kids were older. So two of his kids are uh, away, living away from home, playing hockey at university, and he's got one 15-year-old at home with his wife. So it's not it's it's an easier time for him now to do what he's doing than it would have been five years ago, let's say. Um, but he's he, he has every time you talk to him, like you know, Jake Allen said he has one of the brightest hockey minds that he's ever seen. Yeah, I, I don't know. I haven't met many people who are more passionate about hockey than Marty Singley is. Like it's as he said, it's a twenty four seven thing. But he loves it. Like he he enjoys. He loves what he's doing. I don't think he can imagine. Uh, his life without hockey. And I think that's why he was so involved coaching his kids after he left as a player. Yeah. He wanted to be a family guy. He wanted to be home with his kids, but he still wanted to be involved in hockey. So on BPM sports yesterday, the question of the day was get ready for this one. Struble or Jack guy choose one. So I ask you if I had to choose one, it would be Struble, but I think there's place for both of them. I think there's a place for both of them on this team. But Struble has been, wow, what a story this kid has been. It's just Amazing. been, you know, I spoke with uh, his Little League baseball coach this week. I wrote a column, um, coached him when he was 12 years old, and he was just talking about, he, he said that Jaden was a better baseball player than a hockey player. He said baseball came naturally to him. He was a slugger. He had a, a great arm. He hurt his arm throwing, so he ended up going to first base. He said he could dunk a basketball when he was like 12 years old. And he said, if you th- he said, if you think he was good at baseball and hockey, you should have seen him play lacrosse. He said lacrosse was probably his best sport. And he said he's a really nice kid. He's a humble kid, but don't get his don't get in his way and don't get him angry. He has that fire within him. And you know when he got called up, I think we've discussed this before. You know, Kent Hughes told Kent Hughes has known him since he was a young kid. Uh, Kent Hughes told him, "You're not going to play. We're just calling you up. You know, we're going to California. We need an extra defenseman, but I want you to, you know." be around the team, practice with the team, see what life on the road is like with the team, but you're not going to play. And then Jordan Harris gets hurt and he gets in the lineup and he hasn't come out since. And like, he's determined he's not coming out. I mean, Harris has been a healthy scratch. Jack guy's been a healthy scratch. He's been sent down. Kovacevic's been a healthy scratch. And Struble just keeps Baron, Baron was a healthy Baron scratch. Was a healthy and, sent down. Yeah. and the yeah. thing, the thing that I like with Struble, he, he's, he's a better skater than I thought he was. From seeing him at development camps a couple yeah. of years before, um, I mean he's he's I mean he's he's built like an NFL defensive back. I mean he's <clears throat> he's a strong strong kid, but he doesn't panic. All defensemen make mistakes. When he makes a mistake, and he doesn't make a lot of them, but if he coughs up the puck, he doesn't panic. He gets right back at it. I remember there was a game. I think it was against San Jose when he made that bad pass behind the net that went in front of the board early San in the Jose, game. Yeah. And he went to the bench, and uh, Robita, I spoke with the Jaden about it after, and Robita told him to shake it off, forget about it. And I think his next shift or a couple of shifts later, he hammered some guy into the boards. Clean body check. So he was, as, as his baseball coach said, don't get him angry. He was angry at himself, and he took that out on the San Jose player. I can't remember who it was. He just hammered him into the board. So he doesn't – when he makes a mistake, he recovers, both mentally and physically. And that's a big thing for a young defenseman. It really is a big thing. I think that's one of the things Arbor Jacka is struggling with a little bit now uh, when he's making mistakes is letting them get in his head a little bit. I mean, having him yeah. sit down obviously affected him uh, mentally. Although speaking with him yesterday, Arbor said it, it, that going to Laval really helped him. He said it helped him with his confidence. It helped him playing so many minutes in all situations. He yeah. liked playing with Logan Mayu down there. Um, but with Struble, he's just such a confident kid and he's got a, a a good cockiness to him like he 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 carries himself like he believes now that he's an nhl player he might not have believed it when he first got up but i think he played three or four games and he was like i can do this and i can be good and he's been yeah. really good so as you say if i had to choose between one or the other i would choose struble but i really do think there's room for both of those guys on this team moving forward Jack has become such a topic of conversation the last couple of months. It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know the last time, uh, you know, Subban was probably the last Montreal Canadiens defenseman that got as much talk as, as Jack guy, because when you would hear Subban's coach talk, or you would see if he took away his ice, or you would see if he benched them, or you would see if you, you got the feeling that there was something there and you just, you get the feeling. I don't know how you feel about this, but, you get the feeling that when Jack I took those three penalties in his first two games back, if the camera went straight to Marty St. Louis 
And on at least one occasion, you can see, you can see like there was some smoke coming out of the ears. Mm-hmm. Like you really didn't like one of them, especially. Uh, Jack I is so fragile that he felt he had to, with his situation, he had to go apologize to the coaching staff. The first thing he did when he got in, he got to the rink on the Friday morning. Uh, he was told, yeah, yeah, it's okay. You know, when mistakes happen, shake it off. Bad games happen, shake it off. But the next game, he's a healthy scratch. Now, as I said to Eric Engels a couple of days ago, you know, Eric and I had kind of different opinions on this. And Eric says, Tony, well, we see it in a different light. I said, um, I said to Eric, I said, um, you just, you get the feeling that, um, I understand if Marty thinks Jack is his least reliable defenseman. I understand that part. But I can also understand guys like George Larac believing that the Canadians are taking away things that makes Jack Eye Jack Eye. And so my question to you is are you worried that with this, you know, getting in his head a little bit, feeling like he's got a temper his game, feeling like he can't take penalties, probably feeling like he can't hit anybody, feeling like he doesn't want to drop the gloves anymore or whatever. You get the feeling that it may end up hurting him more than helping him? I know. I don't. I think it's hurting him maybe. I think it's a little pain now for gain in the future because okay. he's 23 years old. And he was never drafted, right? So there's a re- there's reasons why he was never drafted, right? There's holes in his games. I mean, a kid that big and that size and can fight, yeah. whatnot, he was never drafted. He came into that rookie camp the first year, and he was had like we're talking about Struble. He had something to prove. He was determined, and he fought, literally fought, hit, played, and showed he deserved the spot in the NHL, and he got it. And reading between the lines, talking with him, talking with Marty. Um, Hughes's midseason news conference. Nothing came easy for Arbor on his way up, and I think he got a little too comfortable with the Canadians. I think he thought his spot was secured. I think he his star grew really quick, and I think management saw that, and they figured he needed a little bit, I don't like an attitude adjustment, maybe like. Let's bring him back down to earth. Let's bring him back down to earth. I, I don't. I don't think he's he's got a big ego, but I think his head maybe got too big too quick. Like I think you know the sheriff. I nickname. see. It. I see it the same way. By the, the sheriff way, sheriff nickname. Yeah, the hamburger ad. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I went to the Lasso Country Music Festival last summer. He was on the stage, and now he was having partying. And, and I think, I think it just got. He was taking it for granted that he was in the NHL. And when I spoke with Arbor yesterday and he talked about Laval and he said it was good for him. And you know, I said, what lessons did you learn? And he said, I learned like, be there 30 minutes before practice, be the first guy on the ice, take every drill. Like it's a game. So he wasn't, obviously he had stopped doing that. Right. That was, and that was something Correct. that for was, him to bring it up. Yeah. It's for him to he... bring it up, whether he realized it or whether the Canadians told him that was, that that's what happened. You know, I mentioned yeah. Alex Newhook earlier. You watch Brendan Gallagher. Brendan Gallagher, every practice, he plays as hard as he does every game. And all the great players do. All the best players practice. You practice how you play how you practice, right? And I think with Arbor, like you know, he was like saying, be the first in line for the drills, be the guy who stays a little later. Be, so as I said, a little pain now for a little gain moving forward. I think the Canadians figured after he came back, he had been injured. I think this was something they had seen or before he got hurt. And then after he got hurt, he missed all those games. They figured now's a good time to send them down to the AHL. And Marty said this yeah. after learn playing in the NHL is part of learning how to be a pro. There's very few guys who make it right to the NHL without playing in the AHL. Arbor never know, did. Yeah. Arbor never did. And I think it was basically a you know, taking a little bit of the shine off the star. Sending him I, down I, there. You know what? And I, I totally agree with that. And and you know, the first game of the season, it was it was expected he was going to fight with Ryan Reeves, and mm-hmm. he did really well. Yeah. And that can go two ways. Either you gain all kinds of confidence from that, yeah. but you still remain very, very grounded, and you still keep that eye of the tiger. Or 
all of a sudden you really are starting to think you're the new sheriff in town. And I don't know if this is true or not, because maybe it's just optics. Maybe what I'm seeing is not exactly the way it went down. But I just got the feeling that after that, he took his role a little bit for granted. And even when he fought mm-hmm. Tanner Janot of Tampa, look, anybody can lose any fight to anyone mm-hmm. on any given day. I almost thought that he didn't take Janot seriously, he didn't take the fight seriously. It was it was with a little bit of of, of maybe a cockiness in a bad way. Yeah. And once again, maybe I'm wrong because yep. only he knows. But I really did feel that the endorsement for a player that on any given night is a number five, a number six, or even a number seven, or sometimes an AHL player for the Canadians, it was a little bit too much. And they're yeah. like, hold on, let's let's bring this guy back down to earth so yeah. he can come back yeah. more stable. And, and that doesn't mean Arbor Jacker is a bad kid because he's not. He's a really good kid when you're around him. But he's a, blue, he's a blue-collar kid. He grew up in Hamilton. You know, His mom works in a graduate Costco. His dad's a welder, works for building trains. You know, He didn't come from a lot. He was never drafted. And... 21, 22 years old, playing in Montreal with the worst. I mean, he's worshipped in a way Chris Nyland was, right? People in Montreal love those tough guys, those fighters. I mean, Chris Nyland still can't walk down the street in Montreal without being stopped. Like, people saw the younger generation, yeah. never knew Chris Nyland, saw sort of Arbor Jacki as that guy. He's the sheriff, right? Nobody messes Happy with Happy birthday, him. Knuckles, by the way. That's Happy right. birthday. Happy That's 66. Right. You brought it up. Nobody messes with this. And I think – Man, if I was 21 or 22 years old playing for the Montreal Canadiens and everywhere, my, my head would get a little big too. You know, 100%. And I think the Canadians, this management team is really smart. And we've seen the bright spotlight in Montreal do bad things to players and really harm players. And again, I'm not saying Darber Jack is a bad guy. I've never heard any off ice issues. There would be a problem, nothing like that. No. I think he just, they needed to knock him down and not, they felt they had to knock him down. And Ashton, you were saying, is it, I'm not saying it's pain uh, pain now for gain later. They're better doing that with them now, right, than doing it two years when they're further along in this rebuild. And yeah, start. You know what I mean? Like do it, do it now. Like just say, yeah, don't take it for granted here. And it's good. The thing that's good about having so many of these young defensemen, it's a tough competition now moving forward. Yeah, I mean, Rhinebacker's not even here yet. Lane Hudson's not here yet. Logan Mayo is not here yet. <clears throat> Excuse me. This competition is only going to get harder. So. I think the yeah. timing was good. He had been hurt. He had missed a lot of games, so it made sense just on that standpoint to send him to Laval to get him to play. It made sense to play him with Logan Mayu because that might be their third defense pairing as early as next season. That wouldn't be a fun pairing to play against. Let's see how he plays with Logan no. Mayu. So there's a no, lot of be. things. I know a lot of Habsans are upset with why they send them down and they're messing with his head, But and I've said this many times. You can disagree with stuff that Jeff – uh, Gorton and Kent Hughes do, but there's a reason for everything they do. You can disagree with it, but the reasoning behind it makes sense. And it makes yes. sense to me why they sent him down at this time. And as I said, with the injury, get him to play more, yeah. get him to play with Logan Mayu, taking a little shine off his star. Like, uh, kid, you haven't, you're not guaranteed a spot here this season. You're not guaranteed a spot here moving forward. Be the first guy on the ice at practice, be the last guy off the ice, be the first guy in the gym, be that guy. And if Arbor Jack, I, it becomes that guy, and I think he will. I think he got the message loud and clear from talking to him. Whatever message they were sending to him, he got it loud and clear. I think it's really going to help him moving forward, and I think the timing was good, and I think it's going to – I think it's and, – and, you know, Elliot Friedman reported too recently that Ken Hughes was getting calls about Jack, and not surprisingly, you know, he was in Laval. Yeah. He said, I'm not trading him. Yeah. So the Canadians, um, it's, it's not like the Canadians have given up on this guy. They just figured that the timing yeah. was right to do what they did, and I agree with them. Not so sure if it's still the case. It probably is. But, you know, at the time when they had sent them down, right before they did, he was what? Top three or top four fan favorite players? Like if you would once again bring them all out and call them out one after another, the loudest ovation uh, is going to go to Suzuki or Caulfield. So they're going to finish one, two. And number three is either going to be Jack Guy or Montembeau. Yeah, and I'd say Jacka. And, right. and so, as I said, he's the sheriff. He's he's a he's he's almost a bigger than life personality. Like when you talk with him, he's 
No, I was talking about Marty St. Louis having a presence in a room. Arbor Jocka has a presence when he walks into yes. the room. Just a, he carries himself with confidence. He's a big guy. He walks in, you go, even if he wasn't a hockey player, you go, who's that guy? You know? Yeah. And and big he's Bill, my guy's answer. It's funny. Well, let's talk about Jake Allen. So we're in uh, one of the Kraft Hockeyville games last season. I can't remember which one it was. And it probably was in Gander. And I was talking with Jake Allen. I was just you know, shooting the reason when I said, uh, so what's your first impressions of Arbor Jackeye? And he says, uh, you mean apart from his hands? I go, what about his hands? Because you haven't looked at his hands? You know? So look at how big his hands are next time. So the next day, or maybe even later that day, I went in the room. And I made a point of shaking hands with him. I'm a pretty big guy. My hands are fairly big. I mean, hey, Arbor, how's it doing? I shook, and my hand disappeared. Like it was like, oh my God. It was like freakish. It was like an NBA basketball player's hands. And then I know there's been videos of him holding what three water bottles between his fingers or whatnot. Uh, but he's just, he's a big, he's almost a bigger than life personality. And with the sheriff thing, that adds to it. And, and again, like I've said, repeating myself here, but I think the, uh, the sheriff got a little too big too quick, uh, but I think he will continue to be the sheriff for this team moving forward. All right. You talked about Reinbacker. You talked about Mayu. You talked about Hudson. There's an expectation that they're all going to be with the Montreal Canadiens by the end of the season. Uh, now, whether or not they start with the Canadiens next season, that remains to be seen, but they're all going to get a, a taste of coffee here by the end of the season. 30 games left. Everyone has an opinion on this. And um, Kent Hughes was asked about if he's fielding calls for David Savard. And he said, look, I'll take calls on anybody and mm -hmm. discuss anybody if it makes my team better. But if you're asking me if the plan is to trade David Savard here in the next couple of weeks, next month or so, that's not the plan. But once again, you know, if somebody calls me, and it's worth my while. I'll do whatever I can if it's going to make this team better. I think I could be wrong, but I think you've been pretty outspoken about this. You expect David Savard to be traded? I think it's part of the plan, too. I just think you think Kent, it's part of the plan, eh? I think Kent Hughes isn't going to show his cards. You know, why would he? Why would he say I'm yeah, I'm going to trade David Savard? Why would he? That's just going to lower his value. Um, I think he'll he'll keep David Savard. Like I think the plan, I, I think if Ken Hughes was talking with his wife or his best friend or Marty, and they asked him, "What? Well, yeah, I, I want to trade Marty. I want to trade Savard before the deadline to open up another spot for these young guys that you, you said were going to be coming up." I think it is part part of the plan, um, but I understand why Ken Hughes wouldn't say it is because don't show your cards. Of course not. No, yeah, of same, course same not. reason why he said that uh, he might keep three goalies until the end of the season. Mike, Ken Hughes is a especially smart guy. Especially if you haven't talked to the player yet. The last thing you want the player yes. to do is find out through the media that he's being yeah. shopped. Having said yeah. that, what do you think? Craig Button joined me yesterday, and you know, he's brought up a story on several occasions on the podcast that when he was when he was the GM of the Flames, he had Tommy Albaline, who was a veteran defenseman who was very well respected. And Lou Lamorello of the Devils came calling for him, and he's like, Lou, I don't want to trade him. I got four young defensemen who can learn a lot from Abilene. And Craig Button was saying, I know what I would do with David Savard. I'm not trading him this year because I want Savard and Matheson to be there for all these young guys, for Jack Guy, for Harris, for maybe Barron, for uh, for Caden Gooley, and, and maybe uh, Ryan Backer and Mayu and, and Hudson. And I said, yeah, but all these guys, you're going to have to make room for them. And he said, Tony, they don't have to play in Montreal you know, next year. Yeah. They can all play in Laval next year. And I said, yeah. okay, point mm -hmm. taken, got it. So, look, logic dictates that Savard will not renew his contract. The Canadians won't renew Savard's yeah. contract one more year up at the end of next season. Yeah. So I think we're all willing to bet that by next trade deadline, the yeah. Canadians will trade Savard. But I you believe they're going to do it a year early. I think, I, think I think their preference would be to do it a year early. But I understand exactly what Button's saying. Like when David Savard's gone from this team, his his same with Sean Monahan, the impact he had on this young these young players will last for the rest of their careers. Caden Gooley loves David Savard. I mean, I've spoken to him many times, but like David Savard has helped him so much as a young defenseman on the ice, off the ice. Uh, you know, he's such a quiet guy when you interview him, but the players I'll say he's a real funny guy. He's a fun guy to be around. He's sort of the father figure for them. He's a great he's teammate. Great. He's a great teammate. He's a great teammate, a great influence in the room, and so is Mike Matheson. I've been lucky to have both of them. So there's nothing wrong with keeping him 
until next season, other than if you want to open, like who are you going to make a healthy scratch to make room for these guys if they're playing at the end of the season? You know, it, it's, it's these young guys need the experience. Maybe David Savard's value is higher next year at the trade deadline because there's the contract is not one more year on the contract. I mean, all these sort of things factor into it. I mean, keeping David Savard here is there's nothing wrong with that, but I think moving forward, you got to get these guys playing more ice time. Lane Hudson, Ken Hughes has already said he wants to sign him after the NCAA season is over. Part of signing him, I'm sure, will be that he plays one or two games in the NHL this year to burn off the first year of that entry-level contract, like happens with most of those uh, top prospects. Um, Logan Mayo, I don't know if we're going to see Logan Mayo here this year because I think they're, he might be better off just leaving him in Laval and hopefully they get in the playoffs and he goes on that long playoff run with them. Maybe they call him up and give him a game or two to give him a little taste, but yeah. I think for his development, I think he's better off just leave him, leave him in Laval. Um, you know, he's got the background story to him. There's been enough talked about with that, but there's a lot involved with him too. I think he's better off. Let him finish the season. Hopefully, Laval gets in the playoffs. He goes in a long run. He's going to be there. There. I went and watched the game with my son in Laval last week, and you know, he, he looked good, playing solid. Um, but yeah, with David Savard, he, he's again. They, they've been lucky. They've had so many. Well, I shouldn't say lucky. They've been smart. This management team to surround these young guys with so many. Good veterans, Jake Allen, class, classy person, classy in the yeah. classy team. Players yeah. love him. Mike Matheson, the same thing. David Savard, the same thing. There's a lot of the, the older players that they've had here. Sean Monahan. Sean Monahan. Uh, when he asking, was here, was great. I was asking Cole Caulfield, uh, "Do you have any uh, sort of funny Sean Monahan stories you can tell me?" He says, "Well, I believe in the rink, and I go in my pocket, and there'd always be like a banana or an apple or something in there." I said, I guess he was trying to remind you about your diet. And he sort of laughs. Yeah, I guess that's it. <laughs> type of thing. So he's, he's, and then I asked Jake Allen about money. And he said, he's like, I'm such a quiet guy. And, but like he said, with most quiet guys, once you get them talking and get them in. And then uh, Caden Gooley told me a good story. He said, I asked him, you know, what Monahan stories you have? And he said, what was really cool? He said, you know, the young guys would all be in their room, uh, Gooley and uh, Jack Eye and the young guys watching hockey games or doing whatever they do in the room on the road. And Monaghan would come in and sit with them for like 45 minutes and watch the game or play the video games they were playing or just talk with them or whatever. And for a guy like Gooley, he would have watched Monaghan playing in the NHL as a kid, right? And then here's this guy in the room. And, and Gooley said that really had an impact on him. Like, he just thought it was so cool that a veteran guy – and he said other guys do it also. He says not the only one, but he did it more regularly. Like, he would go, hey, guys, how's it going? And he'd pop in and just talk about hockey, talk about life, uh, have fun with them. And Gooley said that really – is one of the things that stuck out with him is just what kind of impact Sean Monahan had on this team. And, and David Savard in a similar way. Like David Savard's a real foodie. Like when they go on the road, he's a guy who can pick restaurants and and just a fun guy to be around. He's he's, he's a bear of a man. Um, yeah. And he's he's soft-spoken, but the guys say he's he's got a really good sense of humor. He's really funny. He fits in with the young yeah. guys. And I'm sure David Savard would love to stay here. I mean, he's you know he's from here. His family's here. Of course, he's settled here. His grandparents, you know, the kids' grandparents are here. Uh, the kids get to come back and live in a French environment again after you know being born in Columbus. There's <clears throat> a lot. And the other thing, Ken Hughes said at that news conference, telling you said, you know, I haven't talked to him yet, but my door is always open. You know, if he wants to come in and talk about it, and I I imagine they probably have talked about it already. Um, you know, Ken Hughes is a master negotiator. I mean. How many contracts did he negotiate for players through the years? You know, he negotiated Mike Matheson's contract. So he, he's his not strength. Good. It's his strength. I mean, his, his communication skills, his honesty, and honest to a point, right? As a GM, you can't, can't, can't yes. lay all your cards on the table. Um, and he's a master negotiator. He knows, you know, he knows what other GMs are thinking because he's negotiated with, you know, how many GMs has he negotiated with over the years as a player agent? Hundreds probably, you know, with all the way the GM yeah. jobs change. Um, you have any predictions for this weekend? Um, Super Bowl wise, I, I can't see Kansas City losing. I mean, Mahomes and Kelsey and those guys, uh, you know, it seemed that the, it's going to be, it's going to take quite a game from the 49ers to beat Pat Mahomes. But yeah, you know, I was talking with buddies over the last couple of days and like San Francisco's got a great defense. San Francisco's got great, you know, receivers. San Francisco's got a great running back. It was the NFL's offensive player of the year, and they, they have a quarterback who's had an unbelievable year. They have a great coach. But, you know, like more often than not, and it's not always the case mm -hmm. because the best quarterback doesn't always win the Super Bowl. Yeah. But more often than not, the best quarterback does, and it's hard to bet against Mahomes. But, I mean, 
Brady lost versus Eli Manning. I mean, yeah. once again, I mean, you know, the best quarterback doesn't always win, but Brady also won seven of them, right? Purdy, the last player selected at the draft, right? Mr. Irrelevant. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Irrelevant. What a what an amazing story that would be. But again, I think that Mahomes and Kelsey, I mean, those guys on the big stage, they're uh, they're hard to stop. And what do you see the Habs doing this weekend? On Saturday, uh, Saturday they host uh, Dallas with uh, Samuel Montembeau in goal. We don't know who's going to start yet Sunday. I think we both expect Allen to, but that's not confirmed. What do you think the Habs do versus Dallas and versus St. Louis? I'm going to say they beat Dallas and lose to St. Louis. I think they're going to split. I don't know. I think they'll win one and lose one. It's just that the, the Canadians are going to lose the second game in as many nights in a back to back. How could you say that still? These Super Bowl uh, matinee games are, and there was a period that they used to start them, I think, at two or three. I know they it would be they'd finish and be a scramble to try and get for fans to get home and watch. Now they do it at one, so it's perfect. You know, the game's over at you know three o'clock. By the way, I I love that they have it, and I think it's obviously amazing for the kids. Personally, I'm not crazy about the atmosphere, though. I just I can tell it's not a Saturday night, and I can tell it's yeah. a Saturday afternoon. But you know, one weekend for the kids, I think, is great. Yeah, and I asked Kate and Gooley this uh, this morning also. I said, "Do you like these afternoon games?" He said, "I love them." He says, "Do you get up? Do you have something to eat? You go and you play. Like, there's none of the, you know, there's not the morning skate, there's not the nap, there's not the, you know, the thinking what's going to happen. He says, you just you get up, have breakfast, go to the rink, play the game. Game's over, and you go. He said he really likes it. He says, "Now, Canes don't play a lot of them." He said he played a lot of them when he was playing junior, and uh, he said he really likes it. He said he really enjoys the afternoon. There you go. If Caden Gooley's the first star on either Saturday or Sunday, now you know why, because he loves it. Stu, thanks for doing this, especially on a Friday, my man. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, Tony. Enjoy the weekend. All right, you too. There you have it. Stu Cowan of the Montreal Gazette and HockeyInsideOut.com. Special thanks once again to Energy Transportation Group, to Labita TB, and to Playground, our partners and our sponsors. Um, once I'm here on Friday because Matt O'Han couldn't make it this week or make it last week. I was happy to fill in. Uh, if you liked it, like it, uh, share with your friends, comment sick, S I C K S I C K S I C K. Leave us a five-star review on Apple. It's our way of feeling the love for Agnello, Sammy and Juliana Cavallaro who are in Vegas, uh, for, um, radio row during the Super Bowl. Uh, they're Cavallaro. Have a great weekend, everyone. I'm Marinero. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La Vida TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground your premier gaming destination.